Right now, though, as records go, it's one that is having a lot of people asking questions. Last year, the Federal Public Service reached a record size. The amount of jobs filled through non-advertised posts soared to nearly three times the level prior to 2015, and that's when the Liberal government came to power. How do we explain this growing number of public service workers in this country, and does it mean we're getting a bigger bang for our buck? Joining us this afternoon is Aaron Woodrick, Domestic Program Director, McDonald Laurier Institute. Aaron, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Angela. Well, when you see headlines that say the size of the federal public service is swelling to record highs, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think the first question, and I think there might be quite a few Canadians who feel the same way, is exactly uh, what are they doing? We're hiring all these new uh, employees to work for the government. Um, I think the number is something like they're up 40% from the time uh, Mr. Trudeau came into office. Um, And so the question is, what exactly are they doing? Um, And if we have 40% more civil servants, are we getting, you know, 40% better federal services? I think that's a fair question that uh, a lot of people ask when they hear about record numbers of new government uh, employees. I know during the pandemic, yes, we suddenly started to say we need to have more people handling Canada Revenue Agency. And then when people were trying to get their passports, well, we don't have enough people issuing the passports. So that's supposed to increase the service there. Do you think some of this is justifiable? Well, look, there's always a debate to be had about what the right level of uh, government is, right? People are going to have different opinions about whether government should be doing more or fewer things. I think the challenge uh, for government is to explain why you're having more, why do you have more employees if, if Canadians can't see the result, right? I think a lot of people, if you're, for example, if your taxes go up, but your commute is still long, uh, you're, you know, your hospital waits are not shorter, your schools are not less crowded, they start to ask questions about that. And I think, I think the same is true here. Um, you know, during the pandemic, there was an argument that you might need to hire people sort of on the drop of a hat to do certain things. Ironically, though, Angela, during the pandemic, a lot of programs which normally require employees to sort of go over applications, um, that was all sort of waved aside, right? A lot of things were processed automatically. So there was an argument you actually didn't need uh, more people at that time. Um, And of course, we're facing a very serious uh, deficit in Ottawa. We simply don't have enough money uh, to pay everyone. We're borrowing money to to, to pay these people. So at some point, uh, there's going to have to be some tough decisions made because the the trajectory they're on of just consistently increasing the size of government indefinitely um, is just not sustainable in the long run. And as much as I could say some of those new hires in this period could be justified, I, I never see the opposite. You never see, all right, well, we're trimming this department or because it seems that once those jobs are created, it's there forever and you're going to have a hard time actually reducing numbers in different areas. That's right. And of course, that's partly because the federal public service is, is, is heavily unionized. So of course, there's an incentive there. I mean, the, the unions and their members, they obviously don't want to lose jobs. And, you know, I, I don't begrudge them that they, they have a jobs to do, job to do. But for, for the, from the standpoint of the public and for people paying their taxes, I mean, we want value for our money. Uh, I, I, I'm firmly of the belief that uh, people are, are prepared to pay tax if they think they're getting good value for their money. And they start to get upset when they're asked to pay more tax and they don't see them themselves getting any, any value. 
value out of it. Yeah, whenever we talk about countries, whether they be the Scandinavian countries, they are heavily taxed. But then people say, well, in those countries, we see the benefits of being heavily taxed. I think the same can't be said in Canada. So that's a that's definitely a problem. I, I know within the numbers, and I know you don't have all of them in front of you, but they were also looking just at the number of people who have retired from the public service mm. and the fact that we are seeing more people hired. I, I recognize also we're at a time when we have people just by demographics and baby boomers, they are taking that opportunity to retire. So what impact does that have then also on the public service numbers when it comes to the employees? Well, certainly on the one hand, um, if you're going to have a, a surge in retirements, that's an opportunity to shrink the public service by attrition. And in fact, politically, that's usually the easiest way to do it, right? Um, uh, it's very bad look for governments. They don't want the, the bad headlines of firing people. So if people are retiring voluntarily, that's actually a good opportunity to say, okay, you know, we used to have 10 people in this department who are retiring. Maybe now is the time to try and get it down to eight. Um, but conversely, you know, what we saw in that report was that there's a huge surge in interest uh, people applying to work in the federal public service. Uh, I think perhaps the pandemic, um, uh, you know, really sort of drove into sharp relief how unstable and insecure a lot of other types of work are. And so the idea of a stable work environment, one that in most cases is also flexible in terms of remote work, is really appealing to a lot of people who maybe hadn't considered it before. Aaron Woodrick is my guest this afternoon, Domestic Program Director of McDonald-Laurier Institute. And we were just talking about uh, the fact that the size of the federal public service has swelled uh, record highs, especially when you go back to prior to 2015, prior to the Liberal government and compare it to now. And also talking about some of the issues the Liberal government has faced, we can't be remiss in mentioning the consulting and to the point where you're wondering, wait, we have all these public service, but we still are paying so much millions in consulting services. We, we've, we saw the former minister, Anita Anand, try to address that. Do we also yeah. have to look at the fact that, you know, some of this work is being contracted out and what that means as well to the bottom line? Sure. And look, there are going to be legitimate reasons that government has Right. If you think of your of the public service as the sort of permanent generalists um, experts, uh, if you have specialized work that needs to be done, it makes sense to you know on a temporary basis contract that work out. The thing that's remarkable in this situation is that you you normally see that money being spent either in house or contracted out. But what we're seeing is an increase in both, right? And so I think that's the reason people are scratching their heads is that presumably part of the reason that we want to retain consultants is to to save the costs in house, and yet we see in fact, that the costs are rising both with external consultants and inside the government as well. And we have to touch on the fact that we have focused on immigration and we can have a complete debate on whether or not we should be uh, welcoming so many new uh, Canadians to the country. But at the same time, we have to have immigration numbers. And so are we doing enough to address that? Maybe that's where, I, and I don't have the breakdown when it comes to the different departments, but where we really need to focus on ensuring that we're getting people through the immigration system quickly and making sure that they are seeing the services that they should serve so that we actually have them contributing to our economy. 
Yeah, look, I, I think that's a fair point. Uh, you know, we, we certainly when we saw this with the passports as well, right? Even though government is large, we may not see the resources inside government allocated to the places where they're needed most. And that's a partly a function of the fact it's a unionized environment. So, you know, we may actually have, for example, the right number of civil servants. They're just not working in the right departments. And I think, um, you know, being able to process things, whether it's passports or whether it's residency permits, that's a perfect example of, uh, you know, government not exactly being um, a very nimble outfit when it comes to getting resources uh, where they need to be very quickly. And Aaron, I know we're talking about the the federal public servants, but we also have to look at this at municipal levels, provincial Mm -hmm. levels. Um, This story is just focusing on the the federal numbers. But I think this is an opportunity for all governments to say, wait, we are should we be expanding our our level of employees to this degree? Yeah, look, there are trade-offs in everything, and we have to be, I think we have to be clear-eyed about that, and you know, I I think a lot of uh, people, and I include myself in this, who make the argument about things about living within your means, um, you know, you can have the size of government you want, but you need to be able to pay for it as you go, because if you don't, you start to run up debt and deficits, and then when you do have to make choices, it's a lot more painful. So, you know, I think we need to, um, you know, decide what's the level of taxation we want in this country, Um, and with the revenue we've got, that's going to determine the level of of, uh, of civil servants we have, but uh, we can't kid ourselves. You know, we can't do everything. We have to make choices. And the idea that we're going to just be able to uh, consistently increase the number of uh, employees without having the revenue to match, it's just not sustainable in the long run. And we're talking about it. So hopefully in the long run, uh, the different levels of government, in this case, the federal government is aware that people are onto it and making sure that they watch to see if there are any changes, especially when it comes to reducing those numbers down the road. Aaron, appreciate your time today. Thanks so much, Angela. Aaron Woodrick, Domestic Program Director, McDonald Laurier Institute.